This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 91. Over and over and over in our Facebook group, we kept getting questions about what to do if you and your co-parent have different parenting approaches. When do you step in? How do you navigate this conflict that can come up here? Is it okay to have different approaches? What does this look like for your kiddos? What if you are the one who is primarily with your children and you've been working on setting up routines that then your partner comes in and tweaks or changes? All these questions kept coming up in our group. And so we dove into an episode on this. I got to hang out with Michelle Porta. She is a coach working directly with moms in helping them with full wellness, but she really focuses on this co-parenting and navigating relationships and partnerships through parenting. There were so many amazing tidbits that I pulled from this and so much that reminded me of like the Gottman approach and the Gottman Institute, uh, which if you've been hanging out here for a while, you know, I love. So it was really fun to like dive into this and talk about conflict resolution and how and when to navigate this and what this looks like in the heat of the moment versus in those calm moments. We're going to keep this conversation going over in our Facebook group. It's Seed and Sew, colon, Voices of Your Village. If you want to dive in or you have more questions, come join our group and let's chat. Real quick announcement, guys. We are updating the website and we now have any speaking engagements that are open to the public will be listed on our website under the speaking engagements tab. It's also a place that if you, an organization, your company, a childcare center, school wants to book me to come speak, that's the spot to do it. And you can find out where I will be when it is open to the public to snag your tickets, snag your spots at our website over at seedandsew.org. You can go find all of the speaking engagements there. Go check it out. Can't wait to see it in real life. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. 
I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. Today I'm here with Michelle Perda. Hey Michelle. Hey. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I was connected to you via Irene McKenna, who our listeners know from episode 46 on discipline and punishment, how to navigate that jazz, Um, a very well-loved episode. And she reached out after she's in our Facebook group and reached out and was like, hey, after seeing a lot of these questions about co-parenting and how to have these conversations with partners when you have different approaches or conflict, et cetera, in parenting and co-parenting specifically, uh, she then connected the two of us because she was like, I think this is your gal to interview for this. And I'm so glad she did. I'm so excited to dive into these questions today. Can you share a little bit about what it is you do and what your work is? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. And by the way, shout out to Irene. I love you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my name is Michelle and I'm a life coach and I help moms be happier in their relationships. So whether it's their marriage or in committed relationship. And I work one-on-one with women so that they can create that connection through communication with their partner so that they can have more connection rather than conflict because we do not grow up unless you have like an ideal set of parents with a strong relationship. We don't grow up learning how to communicate effectively or even have that level of self-awareness of what to communicate. And we certainly don't learn that at school. So we're then left with the example our parents gave us to move into relationships and try and navigate that and then throw in parenthood, right? Then you're like, okay, I got these little people I need to raise into kind human beings. Where do I have room to prioritize my relationship with my significant other? How do I balance all these things while still being me and not getting lost in the mix of everything? And so I, my goal is to empower women so that they know what their choices are, so they know how to have that life that they really want without feeling like they have to do all of the things and sacrifice themselves in the process. Like, no, you get to enjoy your life. You are just as important as everybody else in your life. And really, you get to enjoy your relationship through every stage of motherhood. And what uh, you guys are talking about is very relevant. I mean, there are different ways of raising kids. And depending on how you were raised, you're going to have a different set of ideals than your partner. And you're going to have opportunities to sort that out and come up with your mutual culture that you want to raise your kids with. And so navigating that conversation can be tricky because you may grow up thinking, oh, this is the right way. And then they're like, no, this is the right way. And so I work mainly with having them come together from a place of compassion and curiosity and choose connection rather than I need to be right. Yeah. Well, and I think that one thing that's interesting looking at our village, a lot of the people that are in our village didn't grow up with the tools that now they're trying to give their kids. Right. And so what we often see is uh, that it's moms uh, and our experience within our village, at least is predominantly moms who are listening to the podcast, who are reading the newest research, who are checking out the books, who are saying, you know what, there are tools that 
I don't have or that I wasn't given as a kid. And I want my kid to have these tools. I want them to have a different narrative. And so not only are they like, oh, this is what feels right in my body because of how I was raised, but now I'm trying to rewrite that narrative for myself so that I can respond differently. And then I have a partner who might not be on that journey with me. Yeah, that definitely poses a challenge. Um, But we do have to remember that if we're starting the journey, we're out seeking more information, we're ahead of them theoretically, right? Like if we were to look at the journey as a, as a path towards a destination of, you know, conscious parenting or whatever you want to call it, they are still at home, right? In, in your home base, whereas you're partway through there um, to your destination already. You have to remember that when you talk to them, it could often feel like you're talking down to them because you're like, I know more, I know better, there's research backing this up, and so we have to do it this way. And if you were to put yourself in their shoes, that does not feel good. It's, it comes off condescending maybe, and for them it's like, well, this is what I know, it worked for me, like mm-hmm. look at how I turned out, I'm fine, so it must be okay. So we do have to have some level of compassion with where they are at in their journey to bring them with you, but in their own time, right? Like I always tell my clients, you are the only person you can control. That's it. You can lead by example, you can talk, but you cannot force. So I think the best thing to do is just do what you want to do as long as it doesn't, you know, pose a significant, um, significant issue in your relationship with your spouse, like don't undermine them in any way, then let that, let your example of how your relationship with your children bloom, be the model for him to be like, oh, maybe what she's onto does work, you know, and then you could talk about it, but not in a way where like, hey, you should do this, or what you're doing isn't working, because who likes to be criticized, really? Totally. And it's hard because so much of this work, it's not going to happen overnight, right? So it's hard to show these results. And it's true that like you can have a kid who might be obedient and following the rules out of fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so it can look, I think, for partners sometimes that if you're emotionally supporting them, that they're disobeying the rules, that they're not listening to you, that they don't take you seriously, et cetera. And we're looking at the long game of emotional development here. So we're looking at like, how do we help them build this toolbox so that down the road, they aren't turning to coping mechanisms or so that they know how to express their feelings so that they aren't perpetrators or victims of sexual assault, that they know what to do with their hard feelings or how to process those, that they aren't turning to substance or other mechanisms to to numb their feelings, but instead they have a a coping strategies toolbox pull from, right? So we're looking at the long game here. And I think when you're in the thick of it with like a three-year-old, it's hard to see that. Right. And, Absolutely. and I, especially male partners, a lot of the questions I got were from hetero couples and it was in reference to male partners who were saying that exact thing of like, I turned out fine. And my, I think what's hard. And my question for you is how are we supporting our male partners in developing their self-awareness because they might think they turned out fine and and not be connecting the like, 
oh, it's really hard for me to express sadness or I'm only comfortable expressing anger or I don't know how to have this conflict in from a place of empathy and connection, right? Like maybe they don't have the toolbox that you might see this and they might not because it takes a level of self-awareness to see what you don't have. For sure. Yeah. I think um, when that comes up, you need to then come together and think, well, what are we trying to create here? What's the culture we want to create in our family? How do we want our children to be when they're older? And then make decisions based on that. We have to have a path to follow and not just get bogged down by the approach, the specifics, right? The how. It doesn't really matter how you get there exactly. There are there are so many different ways you can get to the same destination, but you'd have to have a focus that you, you two share. Like, okay, we want our kids to be well-adjusted. They know how to regulate their emotions. They know how to honor themselves, but also be assertive. Um, they will not, you know, they'll be respectful. They will, okay, so how do we get to that? How do we, um, you know, apply consequences that are relevant and that teach that lesson without and then you share your fears, right? Without having them be afraid of us and knowing they can open up to us when things get tough, like when they're in their teenage years and, they, and they're around their peers who tend to hide things from their parents, but they know that they can come to us saying, hey, I'm in a weird situation. I need your help. Like, can you help me out of this? Or, hey, I saw this weird thing at school. I don't know what to think about it. And they can come to you as a confidant and know that, no matter how much trouble they're in, you're going to be there for them and you're going to help them out. But knowing that our actions have consequences, good or bad, right? Um, I think that that long-term conversation needs to happen so that you guys can focus on the criteria you both share, not on the differences, but the, the similarities so that you can work together and connect as parents to work towards the same thing and then just come up with something that works for both of you. It may require compromise. It may require several conversations until you guys come up with something that works for both of you. And yeah, there's times where my husband and I, you know, we think we're on the same page. It's like, whoa, you handled that in a way that I don't understand. Can yeah. you help me understand what you were trying to do there? Oh, I love that phrase. Can you help me understand what you were trying to do? One thing that you pointed out here that I think is so crucial was the word fears. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's not one person I've ever met who all of a sudden was at a place in life where they're like, I a thousand percent know exactly how to raise another human enough to like, I'm going to be a perfect parent. I can do this. I've got all the answers. And so everybody's coming into parenthood with fears and with insecurities and like, am I doing this right? I don't know, but I am going to commit to something, right? Like I have something that I'm going to follow because I want this kid to turn out as a kind, respectful, whatever human. And there's a lot of fear and that it's not just fear for us as women that like we have some fears too, but they have fears too, this dude. Right. And I recently was having a conversation with a couple who they're, they're not on the same page. They're not seeing things eye to eye and was doing some individual work with them, coaching work and uh, around parenting and their approach to the their child is now a little older and is having big behaviors at school and they're not on the same page with how to respond to this. And so we were diving into it and it 
dad ended up sharing, like, I'm afraid that he is going to become prey for bullies because he is crying when he feels sad because he's doing whatever. And I was like, that's such a valid fear. And we can't respond to that with, but, or at least, or any of those minimizing words. And so that's where then like with mom, I was holding space and coaching around like, and now how do we respond to this very real fear that dad shared? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think that like, when we're looking at this in the, I I love that you pointed out fears in that because I think it plays such a huge role. And I don't think we often ask dudes, what are you afraid of here? Um, What are your fears? Yeah. Yeah. What are you projecting out into the future? Because I think women know that we're worry warts, right? Like, well, what if this happens in the future? But we don't hold space for the male experience of this all. Like, what, what is your fear that they won't be able to provide for their families in the future because they're not going down the right path career-wise or education-wise mm-hmm. or like you said, that they're too quote-unquote soft and they're going to fall prey to people who are going to bully them and they want to make sure that they know how to stand up for themselves. You know, these are all very valid things coming from a masculine perspective. And it it is important. Like, yeah, I'm sure that if they were voiced, the female would agree. Like, yeah, I don't want them to be punked. No one wants that. Mm-hmm. You want them to be able to handle, them, handle themselves and be respected by their peers and know how to manage difficult situations like that. So I think that if there is space created to talk about these vulnerable things instead of just like the surface level issues, then you could get down to the real root of the problem and approach it and tackle it together. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into some of these questions. We got a bunch of questions from the village and I tried to condense them and like kind of categorize like which ones were kind of similar on the same page here. But I want to bust these out kind of fire round here. So question number one, what about when one parent, and this was mom saying she was the strict one, the one who held the boundaries and the rules and the other parent was the casual fun one where boundaries weren't held and the rules were flexible. How do we navigate that? Yeah, I think this is actually very common. Um, In this situation, mom and dad need to have a sit down and talk about, okay, we need to be a team. Otherwise, our kids will break us. And that will happen, right? Kids, people in general, explore boundaries. That is our job. And kids are really freaking good at it. They sure are. They test and they test. And, you know, if you look at it, it's a good thing for them to explore, right? It's, it's good for their future and to be curious and not just be compliant all the time, like robots. But when you don't operate as a team, they're going to see the cracks. They're going to notice who they should talk to regarding a specific situation, who to ignore different ways to manipulate the situation in a way that will tear you guys apart. So if you're committed to your relationship, you two need to have a sit down like, look, okay, I get that it makes you uncomfortable to enforce these things, but this is what I see happening and this is what I'm afraid of. How can we come to a place where we can support each other? Again, back to criteria, culture. What are you trying to accomplish when you are raising our kids? This is what I'm trying to accomplish. How can we find a way that works for us? 
Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. For my husband and I, like, I would say I'm the stricter one. Like, I grew up in a very traditional Asian immigrant family where it's like my way or the highway, don't talk back to me, fear-based parenting. And so a lot of that stuff comes out, even though I'm trying to, you know, over time deprogram myself like no compassion not fear you know like (laughs) no long term not short term I'm not here to control them I'm here to help them make good decisions and show them consequences of all their actions right and so a lot of times he won't agree with things that I do because I'm reacting off of emotion or fear of like my my own fears and so he will wait till the moment's done pull me to the side and say Hey, you doing okay? You know, (laughs) just checking in. Like, I'm not doing this on purpose to ruin my kids, right? Like, I have this motto, whether it's politically correct or not, whatever. I always say, like, look, I'm just trying to screw up my kids the least. I think, like, we as people are flawed, right? We we have experiences that have shaped how we are today. And really what I'm trying to do is just screw them up the least because everyone is screwed up in their own way. We all have our journey and lessons to learn and things to overcome and deprogram. And so it's not about perfection. Yeah. We're not about perfection. We're about continuous improvement. Right. And so 
when a situa situation arises where someone's not respecting the boundaries that have been set, then I would question why? You know, like, okay, what were you trying to accomplish when you say, let them watch TV when I said no TV after dinner or whatever, you know, like, mm -hmm. were you trying to bond with them and just give them space to answer? I love that and so then, much. Right. And just let them know, okay, so this is my reasoning for, in, for having that rule. What are your thoughts on that? How can we enforce that in a different way or you know, just have that collaborative conversation so that both of you can own it because without two parties owning it, it's just like butting heads. One person's coming up one set of rules. The other person has a different set of rules and the kids can see like, oh, if I want to watch TV, I'm going to ask dad. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. If right. I need a hug and I feel like being sensitive and not yell at, I'm going to go to mom, like whatever. Mm -hmm they can get the most out of they will because people are opportunistic like that's just our nature yeah it's, it's a it's a great thing to have and i i think like, growing up i my parents would always use the like well what did dad say what did mom say exactly. and even if and i then would sometimes see them like chatting with each other if they weren't on the same page with it it didn't matter they had each other's back no matter what yeah. Um, there were very few times where mom would say, eh, let me talk to dad about that. I have a different opinion. And like yeah. they would navigate it together and then come back, but always coming back to us on a united front yes. and they would chat about it together. There are some, I think so often we are picking out all of these little things. Like I said, no TV after dinner, you're letting the TV happen, right? Like, and so many things that I love that you just said, but the asking them, what were you trying to do? Like, maybe they are trying to bond or to connect yeah. and that's how they know how to do it. And great. Now we can have a conversation about that. Like, awesome. I would love for you to have that too. I'm nervous about them watching TV after dinner because I want them to produce melatonin for bedtime, whatever. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Can we come up with another way that might work for you guys to connect or bond? Right. Like then we can come back together and have that conversation, exactly. but that, if it's not a straight up values question, like first I had somebody reach out with a question about spanking and she's like, it's just against my value system. Right. So like, great. We can have a whole different conversation here where you might override their parenting because it's a values issue. A lot of these aren't values issues. We're like nitpicking. This isn't how I would do it. And so it's not right. And I want to remind folks too, we talk a lot about emotion coaching and showing up with consistency and routine. And also, if you emotion coach correctly 20% of the time, we see lasting results, right? So we don't need perfection. It's okay if your partner isn't responding exactly the way you would because you can show up and respond exactly how you want. And it can override that in terms of percentage wise, right? Like, really what your kid might learn is that you're the one that's their safe space to break down to and maybe your partner isn't for them and that's okay too they don't have to be they can have a different relationship with them than you have with your kiddo um but i i love 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 that you highlighted that there isn't male intention it's not your partner saying nope, I'm just going to totally have different set of rules than my partner. And I don't care what their, their rules are. I'm going to do my own thing. I think it's often that 
they are looking for connection or they don't know how else to handle the situation. Right. We're all just doing our best. And I think when it comes to committed relationships, you just have to assume that we all have a good reason for everything that we do. It's just a matter of finding that reason, right? Yeah. Like, you, how you parent. I'm going to interrupt you. I don't think it's always a good reason. I think sometimes we're coming from a place of fear. I think we yeah. all have a reason. Okay. I don't know that it's always positive reasoning. <laughs> yeah. Well, a good reason for them. Like they think it's a good Oh, reason. yeah, yeah. Justifiable. Not overall, not oh. overarching good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I like that. So I think that we need to honor that the dynamic you have with your child is not identical to the dynamic you have with that your child has with your spouse or your partner. And mm -hmm. we have to honor the way they do things and bond with their kids or whatever, like the way they talk to them, they get to have their own way. That's why there's two of you. You guys complement each other with the parenting styles that you have, as long as the values are aligned, right? So I think that the important part is to make sure that you guys have that common uh, vision for how you want to raise your kids and make sure that you always fall back on that. If there's ever a situation where you're like, how do we navigate this? Okay, let's go back to the basics. How do we want the kids to end up? What's the roadmap to getting there in this particular situation? If we want to teach them to be this way, what's the, what's the route that we take? Totally. Totally. And I think I, I, I would, I guess, also caution just like the in the moment conversations, right? I think so often we try to navigate this when everyone's in a high end state or when your partner's in the middle of doing something or like responding to a kid and we're like, oh no, let, let me show you how this is done. Um, and that's just not a productive way to go about this, right? Like it, I think it can feel very condescending. And one thing folks know, Zach and I do not have kids yet. Um, and although fingies crossed, I feel like every month we're like, ee! Um, but we have obviously been around kids in, in wild capacities. I think a lot of people before parenting aren't necessarily around kids. We've yeah. taken kids for the week. We take them for full weekends, et cetera. And earlier on, so also, I feel like we've been able to practice a lot of things that will 1,000% be different when they're our own kids. And we just have been able to practice things I think a lot of people don't get to practice before they have kids. But so what I've learned for me is that I, my inclination is like, oh, I'll just step in and do it. A, this is my wheelhouse. I know, I feel confident that I know what I'm doing in this situation. And I know that I have more experience and expertise in this than he does. And so my like instinct is like, oh, I'll just step in and, and, and handle this because it'll be easier for him or because it'll help him or whatever. And had to learn like over the years that that just silences him and doesn't build his confidence in it. And so instead, what we will typically do is that after, like we'll go through the day with kiddos and then afterwards, like at night, bedtime happens, whatever. Then we're coming together and saying like, hey, and he'll often say, was there anything that you noticed? Cause he knows like, this is my lens. Was there anything you noticed that like you would have done differently? Or he'll now say like, you know what, when we were doing the tie dye in the backyard and she was like squirting the water bottle over, this is what I did, but I don't know. Was there another way I could have done that? And he'll ask me now. And he didn't before when I would step in and criticize, right. Or like override him. But now that I'm letting him just explore it, 
he has like more of a comfort and confidence in saying, was there a different way I could have handled this? And sometimes I'm like, no, that's exactly what I would have done. And here's why. Um, or I'll be like, you know, like that was fine. You could have also, if you really wanted to like nail this on the head, here are some things you could try next time. Um, but it, I had to stop doing it in the moment. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kudos so to your husband for being so aware. Um, I don't know that a lot of men have been raised to reflect and think back on, could I have handled that differently? Um, I, this was not how it used to be for us, I guess is yeah. what, what I'm saying that like before That's he awesome. would just be silenced and shut down and yeah. then we would end up at some point getting in an argument because he would be like, well, you just do it. You know what you're doing. Right. Yes. And, and that's so common for the female to swoop in. Like I got this, I'm a woman, but really like, sure. We may naturally have more of a well, I think we're groomed to know what to do, right? Like we are taught how to be For sure parents. groups. But I think yeah. like women are, if we want to go there, we're like quote unquote nurturers, right? Not, but on top of that, we're also groomed. But because it's this like, not stigma, but like we're kind of assumed we need to do these things. We have mm -hmm. more opportunities to practice to figure it out on our own because it's what we're supposed to do. Yes, yeah, the expectation. Whereas men, it's like, well, you're better at it. Why don't you go do it? And then if you start criticizing, then it's like, well, I really won't do it now. Like, I'll just leave it all to you. I'll just go do these other things to contribute towards our household or family. Mm -hmm. And you got this, right? So it's important to not shut them down, to praise them for their efforts and see them for where they're at and help them along the way as they, you know, become improved parents, just like how you're improving as a parent. Like no parent totally. has it down to the T. No way. There's no mom or dad that doesn't ever lose their mind. Totally. And I think like, even if you are in a hetero relationship, even admitting out loud to your partner, like I know that since I was little, people have been teaching me how to be a mom and oh. they taught you how to survive in yeah. finance. Or yeah, yeah right. Like <laughs> the, whether we love it or not, there are a lot of gender stereotypes and the Absolutely. way society treats genders are different. Um, and so th this is a part of our, our reality, right? And we get to create new narratives now with kiddos, but the way if you're in a hetero relationship, your male partner was raised was not the same way that you were raised in terms of parenting. And so even just laying that out there. And at one point years ago, I was getting a bath ready for, um, gosh, he was probably about three years old. And it was a three-year-old and an infant. Zach and I had him for the weekend. And I was getting bath ready. And Zach was feeding the infant and finishing up dinner with the three-year-old, like sitting at the table feeding the infant while the three-year-old was finishing up dinner. And she, the three-year-old screamed about something, baby started to cry. And he looked at me and I was like, I'm filling up the bath. You can figure this out. And again, it was like, that was part of me learning to step back. Yes. And it's so freaking hard because I could have jumped in and swooped in and responded to the three-year-old exactly how I wanted that to happen and supported yes. the infant and helped her calm down and whatever. And instead I was like, if Zach's ever going to build the confidence in these skills, he's got to have a chance to practice and to fail. 
100%. Right? In the same way that I've failed over and over and over to learn so many of these things, I've got to give him a chance to fail. Absolutely. I without agree. judgment. Yeah, without judgment. I mean, there's times where, like I said, I'm the stricter person that kind of like comes from like a more of a controlled uh, way of disciplining, which I'm desperately trying to like minimize time after time. But there's times where my husband doesn't agree with what I'm doing and he actually leaves. Like he leaves the room, he goes upstairs, shut the door because he knows that it bothers him. But then we come back together. I notice he left and that kind of signals me, oh, I'm kind of going overboard right now. Or he thinks I'm going overboard. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about it and then I can, you know, really drill down like, why did I feel like I had to do that? What was I trying to accomplish? What triggered me? And then I'll go back to my kid and apologize for the mm -hmm. actions that I regret doing and then explain what I was trying to accomplish and that I could have handled it differently. But I love that he doesn't just come in and go, whoa, you need to chill out, you know, because then that undermines me. And then the kids see that I don't deserve to be respected because what I say doesn't matter. And so he gives me the freedom to come back to the kids and backpedal however I see fit rather than someone else coming in and saying, you're not doing that right. Why would you talk to the kids like that? And then they can just run all over me, right? Like, so I love that he is able to do that for me. And I think that um, it's very common for one partner to do that because they're like, whoa, you're screwing up my kid. Like, don't do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions on that note that I got was, my son is favoring me right now to the point where if I'm gone when he wakes up and it's just my husband there, he gets angry. I feel like it's because I have a different parenting style than my husband and I'll try to give him tips to connect or communicate, but oftentimes he takes offense to it when I'm trying to help. Also, I got an, um, another response similarly that it was like, my child prefers me. And so she wants me to make her dinner. She wants me to do her best. She wants me to do her bed bedtime. She wants me to do all these things to the point where like, I don't have any more to give and I don't know what else to do here and how to support my partner. Yeah. No, I love this question because I can relate to this. Uh, my three-year-old is a huge mama's boy, a huge one. Um, from when he was really young, like if he would wake up in the middle of the night, he'd be pissed if dad came in the room. He would tell him to get out. And so I obviously, from a sustainable standpoint, don't want that. I need the support. I don't want to be the, the absolute go-to person. Like, do I feel good that I'm the favorite? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I have a partner. He's there for a reason. I want him to feel loved also. I want them to have that relationship. So there's going to be times where I'm like, no, dad's going to help you because mommy's doing this. So sometimes I'll leave the house and, you know, go have a girl's night or something so that they can figure it out on their own. Like at the end of the day, he's not going to be crying the entire time I'm gone. My husband's going to be able to figure out to distract him or get him engaged in something and bond with him and do something with him in their own fashion. And we need to give those opportunities for them to create that relationship. If we're constantly being like, oh, he wants me to do it instead. Okay. Then there's not going to be that dynamic between them where he's going to prefer your partner over you. And sometimes they may not ever, but that's okay. You get to go carry on with your life because your life is just as important as your son's life or your daughter's life. And you need to honor that 
your partner should have a relationship with that child as well. So give the opportunity, even if they're kicking and screaming, you know, like your partner will just be like, you know, mommy will get to you tomorrow. Like you'll get to wake up with whatever they'll get you in the morning or what if you're home? What's that? What if you're home? What if you're home? I do that still. Like I'll go hop in the shower. Oh, mommy can't put you to bed tonight because she's taking a shower. She needs to go to bed. Like just be unavailable or just have them respect that your time is your time. Like whether you're reading or you're relaxing, like, no, mommy's done a lot of work already today. Now it's daddy's turn and just stick through it because with consistency, they'll get used to it that having a tantrum or whatever it is will not get what they want. And they will start to open up to possibly enjoying your time together instead of yearning for what they don't have at the moment. Totally. And I, I think that's huge, the consistency and just like holding that boundary. And yeah. you can empathize, right? You can say like, I've had so much fun playing with you too. I love hanging out with you. Now I'm going to go do something to help my body feel calm and relax by myself so that and we can play again tomorrow. Yeah. And daddy gets to hang out with you. He's really excited to hang out with you. Yeah. Too. He's really, he feels special when he gets to spend time with you. He loves you so much. And I feel so lucky to have been able to spend time with you. And I want to give that time to daddy too. You know, like, yeah, totally. That totally needs to happen. Also love that you noted, it does feel good to be wanted. Like there is a part that is like, yeah, they want me. I'm their favorite. Or even like, it's this, I, I get this a lot with like childcare drop-offs where parents are like, I don't want them to cry when I leave. But then when they stop crying, when they start to feel comfortable and they're like, oh yay, my teacher. And they run up to her or they don't want to leave childcare at the end of the day. Parents are like, don't they want to see me? I'm like, this is, you gave them these wings to fly and they're flying. <laughs> right. And like, and the goal in life, isn't that your child always needs you. And no, yeah, you have to think long-term. Do you want a 30 year old clinging to you? Like, mommy, I don't know how to do anything. I just need to be by you all the time. Like, no, you want a well-adjusted human being. And what that means is, yeah. I mean, I had the same experience with my, with my um, toddler when I first had him start going to daycare, like he would cry and I would have to, you know, give him to the teacher, like physically put him in her arms and say, okay, I love you. I'll see you after school. Have a great day. And over time, like, she'd just be like, yeah, it took a minute and he was fine, you know, and it just got shorter and shorter. And now it's like, okay, bye. I love you, mommy. It's like, that is the goal. That yep. is the goal. You reached it. And, it, and you, there is uh, for sure space for you to say like, and it's hard and it hurts my heart that they oh, don't need 100%. me anymore. And you can turn to your village and uh, support system to guide you through that. Um, Okay, so let's dive back into these questions. Uh, what I, a lot of these are like, how do I handle when my partner doesn't stick to the routine or when um, you're navigating things differently or you want to give your spouse constructive parenting advice? And I feel like they all kind of have the same root of how do I have this conversation with my partner when I feel like there is a disconnect about something in our parenting. And so let's walk through both the like timing, what, t when do you have this conversation? And then how do you 
physically enter it. I think so many folks are afraid of conflict that we don't know how to have constructive conflict and that conflict doesn't have to be negative or bad. It can be productive and delicious. And so let's walk through what that looks like, how to have this conflict where you're not putting somebody on the defensive. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Oh, absolutely. So I work with women on this on a daily basis. Um, Yeah, it can be uncomfortable when you have something serious and tough to talk about where you're like, I don't know how they're going to take it, but it does need to happen. Otherwise, you're going to end up eating up all those feelings and you're the one that's suffering at the end of the day. So when it comes to this, you do really need to try and process it on your own first. What is it that is upsetting you? What is it that you needed that you're missing? What is the root of the problem in you? Like, what are you being triggered by? And understand that first. So you first need to gain your own clarity about your thoughts about this and what you want from it. Like, what's the best case scenario that you'd be like, yeah, I'm happy how this worked out, right? But don't get stuck on the how, but like, what are you trying to accomplish? And then when you approach them, do not talk about it in front of the kids if it's a heated conversation. Wait until the kids are away, maybe they're in bed or leave the room and talk about it in a way where you approach it with compassion, validation, curiosity, and use it as an opportunity to grow together through the situation rather than I'm right, I need you to see that I'm right, and I need you to hear me out. Like I always say, seek to understand before being understood because no one ever receives a message well when they're like, hey, I need you to understand what I'm saying. You know, like everybody just wants to be understood. So if you approach it 
in that way where you're like, hey, what's going on? And they have that space to share instead of be defensive and closed off. That's where the real conversations can happen. And then that's where you can validate and say, yeah, I could see you know, why you would think that. Um, can I share what was going on inside of me? And talk about yourself because you only know about yourself. You cannot speak to their experience because they're all assumptions, they're your perception, it's what you think happened. The second you start to talk about them, that's when it sounds like blaming, criticizing, some kind of judgment. And then they'll just clam up again and you can kiss your conversation goodbye. It's gonna be conflict. Yeah, well, and I, I think one thing there is like if you, how would you feel if they were saying those words or that per, giving that perspective to you, right? Like if someone was coming in and saying, you know what, when you did this, this is what happened with the kids and that's why I felt this way. Like if it was being presented to you in this manner, how would you feel? I, I have a full episode on adult emotion processing, which you just touched on of like taking, figuring out your own um, feelings on a situation or where you are and doing your processing separate before you come back to conflict resolution. When we're talking about the phases of emotion processing, which is part of the set method, we number five is conflict resolution. And so the first four phases of emotion processing you have to do before you're going to conflict resolution. So if you are still in your amygdala, you're still fired up, you're in your feelings brain, you can't do conflict resolution. Uh, so I love that. And I walked through concrete examples of Zach and I and how we do this because we both process very differently. We're like, he needs time and space. I just like word vomit, like it's nobody's business during that time and space. So like I am an external processor, it's auditory for me. I really benefit from being able to turn to someone and talk through it. And so I, we have an understanding now that like, I, I can turn to my core people and say like, God, I just need to get this out. It helps me process so that when we come back together, we're coming back in a place where we're both ready to process. There's more on that in episode 86. If people want to like dive into those concrete examples. Um, but one of the things I was reminded of when you were saying that like, the seek to understand, not be understood reminded me of the Gottman Institute. John Gottman's done a bunch of really, uh, John and Julie, a bunch of research, uh, both in relationships and in parenting. But that one of their things about resolving conflict is that you don't get to discuss more of it until each person can share the other person's point of view to their satisfaction. So until I can say Zach's point of view to his satisfaction and he can say my point of view to my satisfaction, we don't go anywhere from there because that's how we know like, okay, you do see where I'm coming from. You don't have to agree with where they're coming from, but just to be able to be seen and feel heard before we're diving deeper into this. I loved, I loved that you pointed that out. It reminded me of them. Yeah, validation and acknowledgement are huge and it will help you go far in your relationship. You may need to humble yourself and calm yourself down and really just like zip up your lips if you need to, but it will help your relationship go so far in terms of connecting and increasing the level of vulnerability that's present. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of regulation. I have one question for you though. Um, I, 
I've talked about this a lot on here about how I think that we should be resolving conflict in front of kids because I want kids not just to see the expression and then nothing else. And then just that you're coming back together in the morning. Like I want kids to see this play out and see the full conflict resolution. Yeah. So talk to me more about that. Cause you were like, don't do it in front of the kids. Yeah, Can you explain I that think to me? That you shouldn't do it if it's like a really heated conversation mm. and you need the space to get clarity. If you're like enraged, yeah. you don't have a shouting match in front of the kids. If you're able to talk about it calmly, like, uh, you know, like, I'm not sure I agree with that and have a civil conversation by all means. Yes, I agree with you. The kids do need to see healthy conflict resolution. But if you're coming from a place where your amygdala is fired up and you're in the fight or flight mode and you're just like basically in your um, hijacked yeah. mode, do not do that. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. That makes more sense. Thank you. So like, if you're not ready to actually enter conflict resolution, don't. Yes get in don't just argue in front of them. I like that. So one thing here, I'm just going to touch on this. So this person's questions answered. I don't want to dive in too deep with it. We have another one coming up, but how to encourage exploration of his own research. If he disagrees with the philosophies I've investigated and internalized, to be honest, like you, as you said earlier, like can't control that. And I, I think we touched on this already, but I, I would want to sit down and find out where he's coming from and what his fears are and what his goals are 100%. and why he's doing what he's doing. I think anybody, your mother-in-law, your sister, your friend, your partner, anybody is not trying to come in and screw up your kids, right? No. Like they're looking for something. They have a goal. And I think a lot of the times the goal is connection. So figuring out like, where are they coming from rather than like, here's what I know to be true you need to get on board. Here's 10 sources on why you're wrong. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's just it. Like we don't fight fear with, with rationale, right? No, like if we did, our current political climate would not be where it is, right? Like you, fear isn't rational. And so if he's holding on to some fears that he has about who they're going to be or how these approaches are going to play out in the long run, uh, your, you citing research isn't going to change his mind. He's just going to get mad at you. Mm -hmm. It's just going to divide. So yeah, really becoming a listener instead of a speaker in this. Situation. Absolutely. And, you know, ask the question, get permission. Like, Hey, um, I actually have done a ton of research because I've been curious myself and I've learned some things. I would love to share it with you. Do you want to learn more? If he says no, honor that. Yeah just honor it. And, and like, this is what I've been like, do you want to know what I've been trying? It's been really fascinating. Just talk about yourself, but get permission to share because people don't always want information pushed onto them. Totally. Yeah. Again, put yourself in their shoes. And then I would ask him, like, I would love to hear more about like where you're coming from. On yeah. This. And, and, and just not know where he's coming from. And then he'll realize in the conversation, like, Oh, I don't have a good reason. Yeah. Or it might be that he does have these fears and he thinks that your approach is going to play out a certain way and you don't think that way. Right. And then it's a different conversation. And then to be honest, I would say like getting couples therapy so that you guys can navigate this with a therapist. But really I would, I would want to work toward listening instead of speaking in this instance. Absolutely. 
So I got a question from a mama who's divorced and was talking about navigating differences in different households. So it's her ex-husband and their fiance, and then her and her husband in separate households. And she said, largely they're on the same page with this stuff, but there are some things where they're not on the same page, whether it's whether or not to do chores, what that looks like, what school um, choices, all that jazz. So how do you navigate this when we're looking at like divorce and separation? I love this question because I have firsthand experience with this. So um, I married my husband who has a child from a different relationship. And so we co-parent and I got to say the first six years was really difficult and I have grown so much from it, but we were in a similar situation where you know, we were trying to do um, collaborative co-parenting, but at the end we had to do parallel co-parenting because the level of um, communication, open communication was not there to collaborate. If you have it there, great. I would, again, go back to what I said earlier, drill down to what you have in common. What are the core values that you're trying to instill and don't get bogged down by the how your child will learn that each house is different. It does not have to be identical. Sure, do we strive for routine and consistency across both households? Yes, that is ideal. But you can't come from a place of controlling like, okay, well, we do things here this way, so you must do it that way at your house. Like, no, I think you just need to have that conversation together where you're like, okay, how do we want them to grow up to be like? How do we instill that in our respective household while respecting that this is our house, this is your house? How do we connect that in a way that it's flexible for each of us to still have our way at our house? Like the way we do things at our house is drastically different at, at um, my stepson's mom's house. And you just have to be like, okay, well, this is his life. This is his norm. He knows how to adjust. This is just the life that he is in now. And you just have to trust that the other parents have the kids' best interest at heart and that they are doing what they can to the best of their ability. And you kind of just let them handle it. Unless it's like something really concerning, then you bring it up. But getting nitpicky, that's not the place because, again, you want the child to see that you four are united front. And you want to use that co-parenting dynamic to, the, to your advantage. They are half of the team here. They get to see your child half of the time or however your custody is split. You want to make sure that you guys are on the same team working together. Otherwise, if that relationship goes sour, I mean, imagine not knowing what your son or daughter gets into half of the time and not having that partnership of, okay, we're on a team. There's four parents to help this child be well-adjusted and grow up to be a kind human being that's like a productive uh, citizen of the world. Totally. That's good, right? Like, imagine how bad that could be. Yeah. And well, and I, I think a lot of people do have that situation where, like, they're not on the same page. And I think that there are two big emotions in this fear, the like loss of control, what's happening when they're not around me, what does this mean, how is this going to impact them, the fear of all of that. And I think also guilt can play a role here where 
whether we're addressing it or acknowledging it or not, that there can be guilt of like, man, did what, what was my role here? Did I do something wrong to get in this situation? And I'm not saying that that's true, but I think that that's a, an emotion that I hear a lot from folks. And I love that you pointed out that again, everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. And so just trusting those intentions that folks are, if it's your ex-husband's partner now that like they are, that they have your child's best interest at heart and that they're responding in a way that they think is best for your kid. And if we can start there from like, thank you so much for loving my child so much. And from this place of like, compassion and connection and empathy if we can start there that like i'm really grateful that you love my kiddo so much then we can go to really cool places we as adults have to start from a place of connection you really do you have to think about okay what is the good out of the situation it might be tough to find and you might have to get down to the basics but start from there because if you focus on what you don't like then you're coming from a place of why is this my life right now? Why, why is this happening? And that's just not empowering. That's disempowering. And you cannot make decisions from that place. You have to make decisions like, okay, well, we all love the child. Great. That's a great place to start from, right? Like, what do we agree on here? Let's, let's figure that out and honor each other in the process and empower your child. If you don't agree with what's going on in the other side and empower your child to, you know, think on their own, come up with what they like, they don't like, and empower them to have those conversations with that other side in a respectful way. You know, yeah. like you cannot go to them and say, did you just talk to my son about da 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 da? Like, that's not going to go over well. They get to do things how they want to do things in their household, but you as a parent get to empower your child on how to navigate difficult conversations whenever things come up, whether it's at the other person's house, at school, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, and that's it. That brought up an interesting thing for me, like how to, how to empower the kiddo without having it be like an us versus them scenario. Yeah. So we don't talk badly about the other side ever. We're just like, Oh, and how do you feel about that? We do not interject our opinion. We might be like, Oh, that's interesting. And then we'll talk about it on our own, like private time where the kid doesn't hear, but we would just say, okay, well, what did that bring up for you? How do you feel about it? What do you think about it? Okay, well, why don't you talk about it with them? Share what you just shared with me and then see where the conversation goes. Because at the end of the day, they need to deal with things on their own and we need to teach them that. We're not going to be by their side every step of the way, everywhere they go. Like, I don't want to do that for my kids when they're grown. Like, no. No, totally. Right. We're trying to teach them this skill set. But I, I do like that. I like that you don't interject your opinion into it and instead are just like yeah and how does that feel for you great you can talk about that yeah Yeah. it's hard but it's important because you don't want to you know you don't want to pin one side against the other you want to remain you want to keep that appearance of a united friend as much as possible so we're at the place thankfully where if my stepson says something and i'm like oh no that's true i'll be like oh so if i were to call your mom and ask her do you think she would give me the same answer? And he's like, oh, you know? so it's like, oh, shoot, you're united in this. You taught me. Yeah. Like, yeah. or we'll be like, hey, yeah, we're, uh, we need you to go to grandma's house because we're meeting with your mom and your stepdad. Like, just so he knows, like, 
we're working together to help you grow totally and have those meetings. So I think we like every, about every quarter or so we have like a parenting meeting to like go over. Okay. So what are you noticing? What's going on? And, um, what's coming up for you? Cause our lives are different, but we do have one thing in common. We love our son and we want to make sure that he's doing well, whether it's school, life, whatever. Yeah. So. I love that. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, we have, I think as much as possible without like a therapist coming in, have covered <laughs> these questions. And I, I also, as I just mentioned that, like want to encourage folks Y'all know I'm a huge fan of therapy. I'm in therapy. I utilize it. It's really helpful for me. I don't think therapy is the right answer for everybody. Some folks talking it out isn't beneficial. But if you're finding yourself needing support or someone to help you in navigating that conversation, that marriage and family therapist can be a great choice to help you dive deeper into, into figuring out these differences and navigating it. And then Michelle, will you share again a little bit about your services, what you provide and where folks can contact you? Yeah. So uh, marriage and family therapy is incredibly helpful. There's also a different approach that you could seek as well. So I am actually a life coach. So I come from a place of working with just the moms. Um, I'm sure there are dad life coaches out there for those who are seeking um, support in that area. And this goes for people who really want to challenge themselves and empower themselves to know what they can do in any given situation. Um, you know, therapists are great if you have um, trauma that you need to resolve by talking with someone, or if you have mental health things that you want to um, navigate around, that's perfectly fine. Life coaches are really there to see you as whole and help you navigate life from an empowering standpoint. So we talk about things, we more so take you from now to future rather than going back and then trying to get you into uh, a good baseline. And so I work one-on-one -on -one with my clients um, in different ways, in different capacities to work on prioritizing your marriage or relationship amidst having kids and figuring all of that out because being a parent is a whole nother ball game. Um, and I really work with women just to, so they know that they can enjoy their relationship through every stage of motherhood, whatever that looks like, by having that regular, consistent connection with their partner and how to navigate that if life is hectic. Like, how do I fit it in? We work on that. How do you feel loved instead of resentful and hopeless and overwhelmed when things just don't seem to be going right between you two ever since becoming parents? And how do you navigate those conversations where you feel like they don't listen or you guys are just constantly fighting and bickering and having the same fights over and over and over again? This is what I love to help moms work through and know what their choices are, what they can do from then on so that they can move forward with their spouse and transform the whole relationship so that they don't have to be stuck in this like overwhelming cycle of like, okay, well, once the kids are older, then we'll work on our marriage. Well, I don't want you to get to the point where you just have a roommate or a divorce. I want you to know that you can work on your marriage in a sustainable way that doesn't have you feeling like 
I'm exhausted by 5 p.m. So I would love to invite any of you who need this level of support into my Facebook community. It's called Marriage and Motherhood, and it's an and sign. Um, that group is so wonderful. It's full of supportive women who are just all there looking to improve on their marriage and really take ownership on their part of how their marriage is today and really take it by the horns. And okay, well, how can I change to help this along? Awesome. So the Facebook group, is there any other place folks can find you? Yeah, there's my website. I'm also on Instagram. Um, so my website is michelleperda.com and Instagram is her connected family, but I hang out mostly in my group. Okay, sweet. We will link to all of those in the blog post as well. So folks don't, if you're driving or whatever, don't worry, we'll have them in the blog post. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and tackling these questions with me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 